All right, I think we are officially ready to get started. That's Finally, right, thank you for waiting, everybody. Yes. I have something I have to do. Uh, I haven't been on Twitch in like a month. There we go. I just gave you my, my Prime subscription. <laughs> I'm the one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are like one of the very small handful that actually do subscribe to me. So I appreciate right. it. No yeah, problem, dude. We're making sure the, the alerts don't show up on this screen. Right. Just, just in helping with the technical aspect. Yeah. I'm a big so, supporter. So if you didn't figure it out from the voice, we have a special guest. That's right. Ian Bits <laughs> is joining us. He's joining the very small list of people who have decided to come back. <laughs> <laughs> speaks a lot to, to what I have planned on Saturday night. But I'm like, yeah, yeah, why not? Absolutely. It, it, <laughs> You want to know how this happened? Is this morning, actually at like noon or 11, I was talking to Charmer. I'm like, hey, are we having a guest tonight? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I don't know. I, I like, thought it was going to be Matt. But I mean, um, the hours for that are super weird. Yeah, so, Matt has some like timing issues, so we're going to have to plan that one a little bit right. uh, difficult. <laughs> but I was like, you know whose phone number I just got? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. So yeah. I texted Ian. <laughs> I mean, the goal is we knew we wanted to have somebody else that was on the the trip because clearly that's going to be a topic of discussion. That in the right. announcements, um, Matt hasn't been on the cast yet, so he was an obvious choice. But due to his long flight home and his uh, time zone differences, uh, we couldn't make that happen. So mm -hmm. uh, we asked Ian back, and for some reason, he's crazy enough to accept. Right. I got nothing better to do. Joins the CBH and Ray Ray Barker crowd. Nice. It's a good crew. It is a good crew, yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, for people who don't know, uh, I don't know who you are, but if you don't know, um, the three of us, along with Matt Oblivium, uh, Santos Vela, uh, J-Star, Racy and Agile, and Dust. Am I forgetting anybody? We joined CBH in Maryland at the Bethesda headquarters for a little summit. I think that was it from the content side. Yeah, there was a yeah. lot of people there. Do you want to say who else is in that picture that they tweeted that we know we're allowed to mention? <laughs> um, obviously, Pete Hines. Uh, yes. Some little unknown guy who goes by CVH, Christian. Uh, Pete, uh, sorry, Peter. I, I'm trying to get myself to stop calling him Pete because when I say Pete, people think Pete Hines. So yeah. uh, Peter Gennaros. And Andy are two guys from Sparky Pants. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to try to say Andy's last name because I slaughter it every time that I do. And didn't we have one more? I don't have the picture directly up in front of me, actually. I don't remember. Um, the art gentleman. Yes. I don't know any of their names, man. Yeah. Oh, you're I know, me, I know. I know him and Santos felt like we're basically the same person. <laughs> Yes, they yeah. were sitting across the, the, at, at dinner. They were like, they were, they were very, very similar people. They Their are. Dinner was amazing. The only difference between the two of them is that Santos Vela, and I mean this with the utmost respect. I don't want this to sound derogatory, even though it's going to. Uh, Santos Vela in person is stereotypically French. Dude, like, <laughs> I don't know how else to describe yeah, it. He was oh a lot God, of fun. I had I had a wonderful time talking with him, but he was just like so stereotypically French. What um, I liked about him is that he's like he's like he's about your and I my age, but like he is also me ten years ago. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it was great. No, he, was a, he was a lot of fun. Yeah. Chatting with Dust, of course, was great, too. We had a lot of time. We got there to the hotel first and spent several hours just talking legends and talking about life. And uh, then we were joined by Matt, who actually wore a mask the entire time. Yep. It was really weird. That's mm -hmm. not true. He did. He did. He did. <laughs> Damn, dude. Now I'm just going to let you know. He did show his face. And I know that people are going to ask, so we might as well get it right out of the way. I've seen his face. And it is like if an angel had a baby with Thor. Like, it is so radiant and uplifting, and the reason, yeah. I, like, I after having seen it, I realize he doesn't show it on camera because he's doing us all a favor. It's like seeing God. Yeah. Like, you would disintegrate. It is like looking directly into the sun. Like, it was, like, I could only, like, sit next to him because even peripheral vision was just melting me. I could not focus. I understand. I understand. It's like that scene in the Indiana Jones movie where Indiana Jones closes his eyes and looks away, lest he be turned to, you know, liquid. It, yes. Yeah, the face melting is what occurred anytime people looked directly at him. Right. There are actually more people were invited to the summit, but they didn't make it. <laughs> they looked at him. <laughs> so, obviously the big news thing coming out of it was, I mean, do we want to call it Legends 2.0? Is that fair? I don't think that's fair because I think that saying something like that is going to scare a lot of people into it being drastically different. And I don't think it's going to be different. I would say um, maybe phase two more than 2.0. 2.0 is like the sort of, in my mind anyway, the sort of thing you uh, reserve for when big, big changes are coming. And I don't think these are necessarily big changes as much as it is natural evolution. Like, all the stuff that we've been asking for for a long time, we now have, I mean, no hard dates, but, like, we have a roadmap for, which is also something people have been asking for for a really long yeah. time. That is true. There's a lot, there's a lot going on. Um, yeah. Yep. I'm, re I'm referring to my notes about what I'm allowed to say. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know, I was just pulling, just pulling some stuff up, too. Uh, uh, right, okay. And they so, did they did come out and say that um and uh, just to be clear to people uh they did they did go over this so we are allowed to say it this is basically it's it's going to launch as the same program but this is basically a completely different program they're basically trying to recreate uh, right tesla but make it a lot easier to change things yeah no, no old code no like, old code yeah all new code and one of the reasonings, like, for that, and I, again, they've kind of said this publicly as well, but a, a big part of it is um, this new version is going to allow for faster uh, iterations, faster changes. Um, right. It's going to uh, make the mobile experience better in a couple of ways. I don't want to say specifically how because, again, like... If we give you like vague stuff, like, it'll make the mobile experience better, and I'm going to say that with air quotes, it's because, like... We don't. We were kind of told that unless it's public, then we also can't say it. So just know that there are reasons, um, but we're probably not going to be like super specific. But there are definitely reasons why this decision was made, and when it's all like final and laid out on the table, uh, and you know when we can actually talk about it in a, at a future time, it'll make a lot of sense. I think like one of the. So the big news can be broken up into a couple parts, right? And I think the first one that grabbed everyone's attention was the addition of Sparky Pants mm -hmm. to the, the Legends family, 
which is a really given given that we met them and you know they all seem really like really solid people sparky pants is just a really unfortunate name <laughs> it's Dude. if it was yeah. just such an if it was a, a more normal name i think people would have been more accepting yeah i i have to agree sparky pants is not a great name <laughs> you know what's funny is that like i without even trying to be like stupid i have like missaid their name like 10 times in the last like <laughs> couple days like for some reason sparky dog kept coming out yeah yeah but yeah um they have a pretty limited catalog of stuff they've done them uh, uh, previously right they did a i can't even remember the name of the game now drop zone so they did drop, drop zone. zone right tell and, us a little bit about drop zone well so I, I i'd never heard of it um and i went and checked it out uh, here's the downside, right? And there's there's no sugar coating it. Drop Zone is uh, a dead game as of right now, right? Player base is basically tiny, but there's a like single player experience you can go in and do, and its build is like half MOBA, half RTS. Uh, you control depending on the mode you play. You either control one of three mechs on a three man team, or you control all three mechs and you play it like an RTS, but I, the game when I played it, so like I went and tested it out when I found out, I was curious. Um, game was very well polished. I didn't have any problems playing it. I thought uh, the design of it was like really interesting. Um, I even said to them when we were at the event, like, it's kind of a shame I didn't even know about Drop Zone. Like, I'm a MOBA slash RTS guy. I enjoy that stuff. And having tried it, if I would have known, like, I would have played this at lunch. Um, so that's like the positives but you know the downside is obviously like it didn't take off so um you know there there's no sugar coating that uh that being said that that's the game that like they have publicly released themselves um other things you should know about the studio is they do other contracting work for other mobile games and other games um i can't say specifically which ones but i mean you should know that like mobile development for example is not going to be a new space for these guys uh, they're, they're a team that are all veterans, uh, from the industry that have come from other studios when they kind of started this up. Um, they, they know their stuff. So I assume we're allowed to talk about, because if people really wanted, they could probably find this information, the games they worked on, like some of the individual people have worked on in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Not the studio itself. Yeah. 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 So, um, the two ones that I remember was, I think kingdoms of Amalur were yeah. some of the people, which is a game that I really, really like. Um, and then one that I don't have as much experience with, but is kind of a big online game, which is EVE Online. That was, uh, I think, yes. at least a couple of the people had worked on EVE Online before. So Right, right. Yeah, the, the Kingdom one specifically is interesting. So uh, one of the two people we met, uh, Andy, he is currently listed as a producer for the Legends project. He also writes children's books, um, and he did a lot of the story writing for... Uh, kingdom and I think that just based on the conversations I had with him that uh, like lore and that kind of stuff matters to him um, yeah. so for the people who like really like playing legends because of the lore pieces I think that that is like a, a great sign um, yes well, it's so interesting because the, the guy who did all the lore for kingdom of Amalur was the guy who did like the lore for elder scrolls like that was really? one of the big selling points of kingdoms of Amalur yeah, was yes. that, that guy so the fact that we got okay. one of the writers from that game now like producing this and it, there's just there's a lot of really interesting cross connects that are there cool 
one of the things that I really liked when I was meeting when we were talking to those guys was <clears throat> how interested like both in the the macro level of the the client and the game itself they were all the but but also how interested they were in the very small really niche kind of things that were going on you know I, and I'm saying this because I heard CVH say it on the stream yesterday <laughs> uh, you know they were interested in watching us do things like play with hit and run a card that has no constructed application and they wanted us to. To, to play with that card and, and give our feedback on that card. I mean, like, you know, all the, all the things that make this game what it is add up to a, a very cool, you know, very uh, streamlined uh, experience. And they want, from bottom to top, information on all of that. They, they are into every single bit of this game. Yeah, so, like, speaking in, like, some general terms, right? Um, we, we did play a build. We were allowed to say that. Um, yes. We can't say like specifics, but we did play a build. I, I'm comfortable in saying that uh, in any of the things that like we wanted to test, uh, they were very eager to make that happen. So if I said like, I want to try this certain game mode or try this certain thing, you know, yep. if it wasn't readily available, they would try to turn that out for us. Um, so they were very like into letting us kind of go loose on it. Um, but then... So that's like the micro level, like what Justin's saying. But then like at the macro level, um, you know, we did debriefings and things where we would talk, um, again, I'm going to use like generics, but about like how did like art direction feel? Like what did we individually feel? Not like one of the things I was really excited about was they were saying, you know, yeah, we want to know what you think everyone else will feel, but like what did you specifically feel like mattered most to you, right? Like they want to make sure that, you know, the, the game on an individual basis is still appealing and fun. It, you know, they kind of have that mindset of if they can make a, a, the kind of game that we want to play, then it, it's going to follow, right? So, And, and to, to go from there, it's not just about the mechanical parts of the program either. Like, they were asking us tons of questions about... The, how we feel about balance, what we think about balance, about the color identity of colors and all of this stuff. Like, they're doing their research yeah and we t we all told them drain vitality is busted and should be nerfed so fingers we crossed. did um, actually <laughs> well we did i mean actually we as a group like sat down and did had a pretty serious discussion about balance which yeah um i don't know should we talk about that or i mean we can we can go over the ones that we uh, we like because we when when you're face to face with a developer like that um understandably you kind of want to uh be very careful about what you say uh yeah. you don't want to be like two or three drinks in and you know you, you gotta nerf it to five cost and you know that right kind of right stuff. so we, we we did actually i think um afterwards sit down and really talk through a bunch of cards that could potentially uh yeah. be nerfed and just give our opinions on that and i i said this to link yesterday I hope they don't listen to us because I hope uh, they nerf the cards that they want to nerf. Um, but it is, it's just to like be a, a voice and say like, you know, this is something that you should maybe look at. And even if like they don't nerf the specific cards we um, brought up, which they probably won't because I don't even, I don't, I don't know if they're doing any of that stuff yet, but just right. to kind of give them a better idea of what kind of the game is like currently would, uh, would be, would be really cool. Yeah. I mean, I can agree with that. I feel also really confident in just saying again, like super generally, right? Um, they were very, very interested and open to future feedback as well. 
This wasn't like a, they were getting our, our input and then they felt like, you know, I didn't feel like they were going to like disappear for a few months and then we would talk to them again. Like they were very open to, um, you know, contacting them, sending them stuff, having uh, like an ongoing continued discourse, which was really encouraging. Um, yeah, it's, it, it is, I mean, it's unfair because of like the nature of it, but I, I met some people from Direwolf and I don't think Legends came up once. And it, it's just a different experience. And obviously the nature of what we were doing is we went there to talk about you know, the Elder Scrolls Legends, so they're going to talk to us about the Elder Scrolls Legends, but right. um, getting face-to-faces with uh, developers is, is really encouraging. Um, and again, I I want to stress, I have no fucking clue what I'm doing. I hope, uh, oh shit, I, I, I'm sorry, I shouldn't use that language, but... Um, Dude, you can say anything you want on the show. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, ho- I mean, I hope they don't listen to it. And, and not I hope they listen to us broadly and not in specifics but it, it's cool to you know ha- if something like that happens have a direct line and have less less having a direct line and more of a de- have a developer that's interested in having that direct line which is not a common thing one of the cool things about the group of people who ended up going is that like we we, we represented a whole bunch of different like points of view on the game you know like we saw it the most I, I think one of the places it was most evident was like when we were all uh, playing the the build we played right and like mad mad oblivion and i are trying to break the game (laughs) (laughs) and and uh, ian you and dust were playing more competitive style stuff because you're better we did we did we did autofill (laughs) we did autofill yeah i was gonna say i think the only one who like went in and built a competitive deck was me (laughs) (laughs) all right fair enough sorry sorry ian yeah yeah to, to be honest, I'm kind of a narcissist, and I wasn't paying attention to what you were doing, so <laughs> I just made an assumption. <laughs> I mean, what you guys were doing was really, were really, was really interesting. For, Honestly, what everybody was doing was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll we that's, can talk about that later. Cool. I will say this: uh, they did say we could talk about some stuff at future dates, right? So it's not like we're never going to be allowed to talk about it. And I do look forward to as it mm-hmm. becomes public like sharing our future thoughts as it uh rolls out um because there are some great great stories to tell but um we can also say that uh we 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 can probably also say that that was not the only reason we were there and there's a lot of cool stuff coming up that uh yes there's reason to be excited about yeah we can't talk about yet but it's some of it is gonna kind of like it blew me away so some of it's gonna blow you guys away I, I, I totally agree with that, but I do have to say, and, and we kind of talked about this when we were there, the thing that I think we were most, that I was most shocked by was that they made the announcement about the Switch to Sparky Dog or whatever, Sparky Pants, while, <laughs> while we were sitting in the basement of Bethesda HQ. <laughs> yeah, we actually yeah. found it out simultaneously. Yeah. Right. You guys, no cell reception, no close, internet. Mostly down to the minute we found out. Yeah. There, there was a very small group of people that maybe knew ahead of time, but for the most part, um, like the people on Reddit found out at the same time that right. uh, people sitting in this uh, like theater style thing. We can say that because that's in the group photo. They, they had us in this basically like movie theater that's in the basement of their HQ, which is really yeah. cool. Um, 
their HQ was cool. Uh, I don't know what I can say about it. Uh, I guess, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that too. I, yeah, like I, I guess uh, that's the one thing I like. No, we're not allowed to say. Yeah. Crap well, about so that. I, <laughs> I'll say. Take pictures in the lobby. I was gonna yeah. say. Yeah, they wouldn't <laughs> let us take pictures of the lobby. The lobby is cool. I've heard yeah. supposedly you can find pictures of the lobby like online. Uh, some cool right. statues, like sorts of things you would uh, expect. Um, I thought that the building and the layout was very interesting, but. They were they were very that. like yeah we you can't like <laughs> the there was security a lot of places too I was shocked at the amount of security in the building they yeah. have at any given time they you know, they take the only that place shit we serious were allowed to go was the bathroom <laughs> and even <laughs> then we were escorted <laughs> they said they actually said while we were there that some people try to like fly drones <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what they're doing people like get rooms at the hotel across the street so they can look through the window. Right, right. That's the weirdest thing. We stayed in a hotel about, I mean, it was like a five-minute walk, maybe, from the from their place. That's that, that was that was pretty cool. Um, I, I want to stress again too, like the the upcoming stuff, right? Like there, I'm just gonna spoil it. No, I'm kidding. There is so much cool shit in the pipeline that we heard about. You know, both short-term and long-term things that they're interested in doing. Like it's, it was. It was really inspiring, honestly. And, and oh, yeah. it, Go ahead. We're, we're not talking about, like, the stuff that they've been talking about, like, that they've already talked about. Like, like they want a tournament client in a, in a future release, and they right. want, like, stuff like Legend Leaderboards in a future release. There's more stuff like that that got talked about that's just, like, this is something we're interested in, but yeah. um, and it's something we'll work on, but it's nothing definitive. Uh, right. That's not the stuff we're talking about. We're talking about some definitive stuff that's going to be yes. really, really encouraging for the future. Of definitive, life. not like... Because there are some stuff that they kind of talked about during the stream where they said, like, we're doing this because we want this feature to come, but we don't know when. Like, Ian's right. right. There was some definitive stuff um, that you might find out in the short term, some definitive stuff you might find out a little bit later, but it is definitive. So, right. Um, yeah. It, it should blow your fucking minds, honestly. <laughs> there, so there are two major criticisms I want to tackle. Uh, that yeah. I've seen, right? Elephant in the Room style stuff. Uh, one of them will just take like direct from chat. So, uh, Tolane, I'm probably slaughtering that name, um, says, most people who had experience in card games has the opinion on the dev change uh, that it might be the end of the game. And uh, Tolane doesn't want to be negative, but since they don't have card game experience and the PR stream didn't answer many questions on this and no information has been given out about card design and uh, developers, how positive are you guys uh, in this change from the, de like the card design development area? Do you guys want to tackle that first? I'm asking a question in our secret chat. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who that is, so I don't I don't know if I can answer that. Yeah, so I'll I'll be super generic to start and maybe this will help like lead into where maybe where you guys feel comfortable talking. Um, we we one, um, we know that Sparky Pants has clearly never like made a card game before like uh, Direwolf had with Eternal. We know that Eternal has like some ex MTG pros on staff. Um, but I think what many people may not know directly uh, in the gaming space, and this is not just true of card games, but like board games and things like that, is that a lot of times the people that do your actual game design don't often work directly for the company either way. A lot of that work is contracted. Uh, a great example 
we'll use Artifact right now, right? It's no secret, Valve is making a card game called Artifact. It's also no secret right now, Richard Garfield helped to design and work on it. Richard Garfield does not work for Valve, right? He is somebody who basically has been doing contracted work. The rumor is he brought them the game, but um, he doesn't work for Valve. So if you look at the Sparky Pants website and you say, like, I don't see any names I recognize, I guess I would say to you, that kind of doesn't matter right now. Um, because the people that you would be most interested in seeing um, may or may not be there anyway. Uh, and then to the other point, they did say in uh, the Pete and CVH stream, so I will also repeat that, which is uh, if people that were contracted uh, and doing that kind of work at Direwolf um, want to or whatever uh, continue working for Legends, that door is certainly open. Um, it's not like they're saying, no, this is a hard split, we're going a different direction. That That is not the case. Um, whether or not those people uh, are moving, who, etc., we, we obviously can't talk about that, but I would just say, like, if you if you look uh, on the website and you're like, I don't see anyone with card game experience, I would just say to you, like, do not be shocked by that and do not be worried by that because you, I wouldn't expect to. Uh, yeah, um, I think I think if you, if you want to be fair about criticisms and there's a lot of things you can say, I think I think that's probably the most fair criticism I've seen uh, mm -hmm. is is the worry yeah. about it because I, it is it is a case that they're gonna need to bring some people in. Like I I don't think I I think um, we would probably all be a lot less positive about the change if we were like everybody who is currently at Sparky Pants that's those are the people heading card design and they're not bringing anybody else in because it it, it is true that they don't have card game experience and they're gonna need to bring in people who do because it's not an easy thing it is one of the hardest things to do you have like multi-million dollar companies that screw it up on a regular basis like yes. Brother, Wizards of the Coast these are guys who have like a huge amount of experience and they screw it up. That's how hard it is. Yeah. I, I mean, Direwolf screwed it up too in the past. So it's yeah. it, it's something that it's it, to be, you have to watch it. I don't think you can make an assumption yet um, because I think if Bethesda's bringing on another development team, it's pretty clear that they're kind of getting behind the game and they're not gonna you know limit their resources and trying to find people who are gonna be good at this. Right. Um, but I think it's totally fair to be a, so it, be very hesitant about that. If if you want to wait and see about anything, it's it's that. But, but what I wouldn't do is say that there's no way it's gonna it's gonna work because every card game ever has started from. I mean, not every card game ever, but most most digital <laughs> card games come from people who don't make card games, and then they find people who do make card games. To do work yeah. Well. I think that. Uh, oh, I hold. I have to address this. Jungle Man. Jungle Foreman three says, "Can you guys can you guys comment on the issue of Maricon being eligible to enter and clean up all the competitive events now? That I would love to see him enter a tournament. That's super thanks, yeah. by the way, for his future trolling. Oh fuck! For, for, <laughs> also, for the record, we can't comment directly on whether or not he can or is eligible to enter, but yeah, it would be nice to see. Yeah, it would be sweet. Would be amazing. I mean, we know he's." He's probably the most experienced player on Earth. <laughs> probably. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so Ian kind of started to touch on what I felt like was the other elephant in the room or big criticism I've been seeing lately, which was 
Um, some people were saying that this was like strictly a budget move and that this is proof <laughs> that like Bethesda yeah. doesn't, didn't want to pay Direwolf uh, more money and they're going with what they were calling a budget studio. Yeah. And um, it just kind of makes me laugh because... Uh, you know, they said during the PR stream that, you know, they were paying for a period of time and kind of still are two developers to work on the same game. You right. don't do that to save money. Like, that <laughs> is so... <laughs> like, no. I, I can't talk actual numbers, obviously, but, like, you don't do what they are doing out of, like, trying to cut costs. I'll put no, it... You don't, you don't rebuild a client with zero code right yeah. so they've said that publicly as well no code held over it's not like direwolf is handing sparky pants the old code base and they just like are going all right now you guys maintain it no they paid somebody to go do this from scratch that is not a budget move so yeah. i mean i think factually they were spending more money now Barbers. i don't think it's actually I don't think it's actually debatable that they were spending more money because I mean right. we had heroes we found this out <laughs> about Direwolf and I think they said like two weeks was what it was going to be, but um, we found we we found out that they've been working on this client for months. Heroes of Morrowind came out like what a month and a half ago, right? Yeah, you can you know for at least like a period of a month to three months, and then and that's like minimum. They were paying for two developers for the game right like that's that's a huge amount of money and and if they wanted to save money and they were going to bring on a new developer they wouldn't do it with a new client they just say use the old thing and make do um it costs a lot of money to do what they're doing so i mean yeah i mean the at the end of the day bethesda is a company that like is interested in making money like they want to make great products so they can make money i mean i'm sure that there's some like spiritual interest in like entertaining the masses but you know, at a certain level in the company, they're going to be driven by profits. If they're willing to spend money to fly our idiot asses out to Maryland, like they have tremendous faith that they can make this game even bigger and more successful than it already has been. Yeah, I yeah. think that's that's definitely the goal. Is I mean, obviously that's the goal of any any game. But I mean, right. I think when you when you make such a drastic change as this. Um, the natural thing to think is, uh, you know, what what was the other thing they could have done in the situation if they felt this was necessary? And right. the other thing was, okay, cut our losses. You know, Tesla had a good run, and let's move on. And they didn't want to do that. They wanted to double right. down and get even more behind the game. So, And I think it's safe to say that, like, things that we know are going to come, that, you, that will be announced in the future at some point, are going to just further cement this faith that we have that Elder Scrolls Legends is not going anywhere. Like, it's sticking around for the long haul. And that's one, and that's one reason to be encouraged as well. It's just that basic idea. The fact that... Um, and we've seen this slowly start to improve since I think it hit uh, a bit of a, a low point. Um, I think probably right before Clockwork City came out. Uh, of people yeah. just wondering whether Bethesda even cared about the game, and I think right. I think that's something you can't really dispute anymore. That they really are trying to get behind this and yeah. give it every chance to be successful. Like and there I, were points when you didn't feel that, where you didn't feel like they were giving it the best chance to be successful. But yeah, I think that's definitely true now. I totally agree. It's it seems like several. I mean, like all of 2018, I guess in my mind has been like this like renaissance for for legends you know i, I keep i think I've, this is going to be the third time i've said this but like i can't think of a better time to be a legends player than right now you know i, I said it when cvh was hired i said it when 
um, how Zamarwin came out, and I'm saying it again now because I just keep learning more and more cool stuff. And I want to call, I want to say one more thing about my experience, like um, playing with the build that we played. Like, I've been playing this game for over two years now, and I had that same like when I was in the closed beta and I started playing for the first time. I had this like this feeling of like enchantment, like of like being transported and like being a part of something cool and huge. And I have to admit that over the years, like I found different ways to enjoy this game. Like I'm no longer like transported. Now I'm sort of uh, a little more cynical, although I'm finding ways to enjoy myself. Um, I had that feeling again playing with with the new with the new client. Like I had that feeling because it it looks gorgeous and it just i was i was honestly moved and, and i i'm really really looking forward to other people getting the hands-on experience so that they can have that experience as well so malibu barbus in chat mentions uh it must have sucked for them to keep quiet when people were saying negative things when they literally have another dev working on the new client listen i can't obviously speak for them but i'll tell you uh we've known for a very short period and there are obviously things that we wish that we could share. And it sucks for us, having known for like <laughs> a couple of days to not share. I can't imagine what it's like to be Pete yeah. or CVH who knows all of the stuff that they're like actively doing at any given time and see the comments and just be like, you know, like, what do I do? Like, and it doesn't just, affect us. Yeah, I mean, they're, right. They're probably losing money you know? off it. <laughs> Like, like bad bad PR matters, and they, they and, can't really do much about it. And I know I say this basically every time I interact with Pete, whether it was the first time he was on our podcast, whether it was meeting him at, at PAX East, and I'll say it again about this experience. Um, you don't understand how much they care about this game until like you really have a conversation with him in person. Like Pete's eyes twinkle when you talk to that dude in person about Legends. Like he yes. he is so into this. Um, he's a card game dork. He he's is. About, he spent about ten minutes talking about Magic yeah. the Gathering playmats. Yes. Say <laughs> he did. Hey, speaking of playmats. Oh guys, yeah. I know you guys saw him during the stream, but uh, yeah. I think it's supposed to be a mouse pad. But I was literally going to use this as my Magic the Gathering playmat. Look at this. I'm actually using it as a mouse pad because I don't have any friends to play Magic. Oh with. Yeah, yeah. yeah, look at I've this. Gorgeous. It, I've been taking it out of my bag. It's really nice. It also yeah. smells really, really bad. I don't yeah. know why. No, you're right. You're right. <laughs> it's oh because God, they it keep it in the Bethesda dungeon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, hold on. If we're showing off cool shit we got there, I have a couple other things to show. I'll be right back. Uh, yeah, he's uh, going to show off his face more. Like, we don't need to see more <laughs> of his face. Uh, we can we can answer Lilybox's question. Um, I would put myself at about an eight. Uh, I, I, am, I am one of those people uh, that is, is, you know, I need to see stuff about the cards. Um and about how the cards are going to be designed before I'll, I'll be like truly convinced. Uh, but I, this, this is the way I put it and it's the way I'm going to continue to put it um, because of the new client and because of the developer change, there were things that I, as a person who has played this game for a huge amount of time had just straight up given up on ever seeing in the game. And those were back on the table now. And that's absurdly exciting. Like there's things I had, I had convinced myself were never going to be a part of legends tournament client is an example and those are those are gonna be a thing now so yeah i mean i i'm in the exact same way Ian. like uh for those of you who are listening to this uh audio version in the future 
in chat, somebody asked us to say a scale of one to 10, how optimistic are we? Uh, and I would also say an eight. And that's as somebody who considers himself, um, I wouldn't say a pessimist, but like pragmatic, more like a realist. Uh, there are certainly ways that this could go wrong. Obviously, there's a uh, there's reason to be uh, scared or, you know, uneasy whenever change like this occurs. But with what has been like laid out in front of us, both publicly and privately, and I, just like Ian said, all the stuff that I thought uh, wasn't going to basically ever make it into Legends is now kind of back on the table. If you want to know what we're talking about, you can go as far back as like last year when Pete was on our podcast and we would say things to Pete like, what about custom avatars and what about all these things? And he would say like, I agree, where are those things? Um, you can kind of get the idea of like, I think there's plenty of reasons to uh, be excited, so... I'm surprised he didn't come back with the shirt. I thought he was coming back with the shirt. He did. He uh, he held oh, it up okay. in front of the camera. Yeah, I, I do want to say I have I have a couple extra shirts, and I'm gonna figure out a way to give them away. <laughs> <laughs> they they even they even say at the bottom here, "Secret Legends Cabal Money May 2018." <laughs> yeah. <God damn> it. <laughs> yep. Did you guys know that you can get t-shirts custom made and mailed to your house in five days? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, uh, they also gave us these cool cards. Marak, Wabajack, Blood Dragon, Blood Magic Lord, and Torval Crook. There's old school Wabajack, too. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Check this Wabajack out. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a blue. That's yeah. a blue Wabajack. It's to say, but it's blue. Yeah. They're all extra large, Immortal King. You can't contain yeah. you can't contain that face on a medium. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The fact that uh, he the fact that he got Pete to put one on and take a picture with it. Yeah. That was, that was the entire reason he did it. That's the it only is. reason he made it for It's because he wanted it to be like less of a he wanted the the, the subtle peer pressure. Yeah. To have to put it on. I mean, you're not wrong, dude. <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, we flew United, and you get one bag, and uh, my bag was filled with 17 T-shirts. <laughs> I didn't bring anything else with me. <laughs> uh, I want to be that, that security guard. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I wore one through the airport too. That was great. It <laughs> was awesome. So, uh, some other things were made public. I'm going to transition. People won't see your uh, your handsome, gorgeous uh, faces. For the Thank moment you. wait um, what <laughs> but I, I went and I, I gathered the the images that uh, are public because again some of this stuff you know we got to see and directly interact with uh, some of it we saw some versions of so the first one I've got up right now and I apologize for the the people who listen to this uh, in the future for the audio um, I guess to you I would say IGN put out an article that contains some images. And if you go to the Legends subreddit, uh, CVH has also put up some of these images specifically about like the tournament client. So if you want to see what these look like, um, I would recommend you go in there. But this, uh, what's currently on our screen is the one that was released in the IEGN article that showcases a mock-up of a potential uh, like landing screen, right? Like the menu, if you will. And it's yeah. certainly different, right? Like I can understand people 
that are a little bit uneasy here. Um, but what was like? What was your guys's thoughts the first time that you saw it? Thought it looked like Heroes of the Storm. Okay, I love I love Heroes of the Storm. First of all, and second of all, I thought that it looked great. I love it. Yeah, it's not a bad thing. It just looks a lot like Heroes of the Storm. I think it's the background. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I mean, like I thought it looked great when you know we saw it before we got to play with it, and I thought it looked great when we played with it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I think. I mean, I think it's fun. Um, you can display so much more information on this. Yeah, I think. Well, one of the things is that multiple people said. Oh, look at the opportunities for monetization, which is like the opposite of true. Um, yeah. Because it, the reason it fools you is because it's got the three currencies in the top right. Uh, and that's right. how every mobile game does it, where they have all like the currencies in the top right. And you earn one of them and the other two you have to buy. And yeah. there's a plus next to gold, but that's functionally meaningless because anything you can buy with gold, you can also buy with money anyway. So buying right. gold is kind of doesn't actually mean anything, even if that's something that does end up coming in the game. Right. And this is like a mock-up, so we don't know that for sure. But yeah, that that criticism was very confusing to me. Yeah. It also handles so much better. Like, I, I mean, like playing on mobile is kind of a nightmare going through different menus, but playing on on uh, on desktop is like there's a serious delay, like moving between screens and stuff. So much so that like. One of the not infrequent comments on my YouTube channel is, hey, can you edit at that time? To which I, of course, say, what about my time? Exactly. <laughs> but yeah. I... Uh... <laughs> control X is really hard, and you have to do it twice. I know, exactly. And so I... Uh... <laughs> I, I this this moves seamlessly. You're, you click something, you're there. Yeah. Yeah, and so one of the things I really enjoyed was uh, the current menu has a lot of things where in order to get to it, you almost have to click like two or three times where right. with this layout, everything was like pretty instant. Um, yeah. I would say like criticisms that I had personally, uh, I didn't notice where the deck builder was right away because it only, it's only the text and I didn't have like the icon that I was uh, accustomed to. Yeah. I, that's the sort of thing that they can maybe add or emphasize more. Um, but like outside of that, all of the other stuff did feel fluid. I liked the transitions um they didn't give us so we asked about uh, in this you can see where it says season progress not player level we kind of at, tried poking them about that and they didn't really share anything extra about what that could potentially mean um yeah. i liked having the daily quests right up front it was one of those things that like yes. in the current game other than when you first log in um you know you have to like click on your profile and then go see like okay what was my quest again and then maybe back out Go, go build a deck for your quest, go to the play. Like, I, I really liked having this on the landing page. Um, I, I will, one last thing before Ian jumps in, I will also say uh, the actual image, right? So like Almalexia and the space thing, I can't talk about like other things there too much more than to just say that's not necessarily set in stone or the only one. And that I've seen some people say, like, this went from a Legends theme to a space theme, but uh, that space thing's supposed to be, like, the constellations, right? Like, it's our end-of-month reward screen, it's your level-up screen in Skyrim. Like, if you don't feel like it's a, a Elder Scrolls thing, like, that's what they were going for, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was actually just gonna say the same thing. Uh, basically, you said to the people. I understand people who are like, "Oh, it's kind of weird that the, this is an image of Almalexia, and maybe it'd be better if, in some way, you could change it." Uh, just keep in mind that the entire purpose of this is to be able to 
be a lot more iterative, right? Is being right. able like to take small things like that or like an like equivalent is like a new avatar and make it like billions of times easier to implement. So if that's something right. that people end up having an issue with, I I don't see a reason why that wouldn't end up making the game in some way. Yeah. Right. Also, speaking of iterative stuff, um, again, don't want to say outright specifics, but expected downtimes will be significantly less. Like, <laughs> oh, they they talked about that on the live stream yesterday. Did, did they? they? Okay. I, I didn't miss that part because I couldn't hear right. some of it when I was at the airport. I, I rarely watch those, but I wanted to make sure I didn't fuck up today. <laughs> <laughs> I watched. I watched. I, I didn't. I didn't get a chance to watch it because I've actually spent. Combined yeah. about 30 minutes of my life not either sleeping streaming flying or working over the past right. two days um but i did read the reddit thread that went through it and was like okay cool i can i can talk about how it's actually like a brand new build and stuff like that i want to be super big right so yeah um so one of the other interesting things so i know a lot of people are saying things like uh you know, I kind of like the old one, and I grew to enjoy it. And um, they did say that one of the things that they were like, again, nothing set in stone, right? But that they were kind of like toying with, um, I think this is the image I want to add, right? There we go. Um, was that the entirety of the old game lived here, right? So this is me stripping away everything. Um, you play the game on this screen. Your menu exists on this screen. Like... You open packs on this screen. Everything you do is on this one screen. And as cool as it is to like do something on a scroll, um, other things exist in the Elder Scrolls universe, <laughs> no, right? Yeah, he, he, he said because the legendary uh, icon, if you have like a legendary card, it's like a scroll opening up. So you're playing scrolls on a scroll. Scroll on a, a scroll. Yeah. So I, I feel like when we were in the in. In the meeting, like so, I heard Santos Vela say, or maybe it was Dust say, "Scrollception." <laughs> One of those sarcastic. It sounds ones. like it sounds like something does. Yeah, yeah. So other things um, that we'll talk about. So this is another thing that uh, IGN showed, and it caught a lot of criticism um, because of the like colors and saturation. And you can't even, like, see the full board here either. Um, so to this, I, I, I feel entirely confident in saying, and uh, I don't think this is an issue, whatever it is that is in this image, it's not the way that it looks now. Um, no. Like, I can just tell from looking at it right now that, like, some of the cards do not look this way. Um, they don't have, like, yeah. this weird faded saturation. They're still very crisp looking. But even, like, as I look at some of the borders down below, those are not the current versions that we got to play with. Um, right. I I personally like the new board that we got to play with. Um, it did feel exactly as, like, homey and, like, in the Elder yeah. Scrolls universe uh, I mean, as I would have expected. Didn't you guys have that feeling that I was talking about? Like, that, that kind of just, like... I don't know. I just felt like wonderment. Like I loved it. I thought it was yeah. gorgeous. I mean, it was, it was, it's cool to make something new again. And yeah. I think that's the goal. And Immortal King is great. Cause says, I love the fact that cards look like an actual cards on a game board. And I think that was something they, they stated. Yeah. As, yeah. It's just the, those colors. Pieces of metal. They're cards. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They, 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 they actually went through a lot of very specifics about like things they've been working with and toying with to make the cards feel like either not just like more like cards, but more like they're made out of very specific materials at time. 
um, you know, because while we've kind of, again, kind of grown accustomed to like that existing border, um, they kind of feel chunky, right? Like yeah. heavy. So, yeah. but, but yeah, this, I can say without a doubt, like this image is current is not what was in the current build the little piece that you can see. Um, yeah. and I, I thought that what we were playing with, uh, again, I can only speak to personal taste. Um, I thought it looked good. I was very happy with it. I agree. I, I thought it looked good too. Yeah. And if, if you guys, even, even as you move forward, if you see images that, um, you're not happy with, just keep in mind how much of a task this is and how much of a work in progress it is. Like this is right. This is basically changing to a completely different sort of level on every single day from what we were gathering from them because they're, this is, this is a pretty massive undertaking. And at our, the impression that I got is that like, they are, you know, at a point in working on all this where they're still receptive to feedback, right? Like if, if you feel really strongly about what you see or don't see, post on the reddit you know post on the discord tweet you know at cvh i'm sure he'd love to read those tweets and uh let them know what you're thinking um other stuff right so the these ones are uh the last one so now we're going to look at uh the bracket screen and then also the like pending versus screen if you will um these are what cvh shared about the uh upcoming like in client tournament support that is planned. And this is something that like they've been talking about doing like I remember when I interviewed uh AJ and Matt like six months ago or something. They were like, yeah we really want an in-game tournament mode, you know, like this is something that they've wanted for a long time. Yeah. Furious then. Yeah, I I think everybody sort of wanted to. It's such a it's such a weird thing to kind of want, um, not necessarily want, but a weird thing to focus on when you think about like the percentage of the player base that does tournaments. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the flip side of that argument is, in reality, how hard should it really be to implement? And right, um, that's part of the new client is that something like this, which in theory shouldn't be that hard to do, becomes right. in reality not that hard to do. Yeah. And we asked a lot of questions about possibilities, um, and they were open and receptive to a lot of it. And we, I mean, obviously this is very important to Ian Bits. You know, he's done a lot of casting work. Justin's done casting work. Like we want the competitive scene to flourish. So this was near and dear to a lot of people's hearts. And uh, this was a uh, a big topic of discussion while we were there. Um, right. I yeah, do. Have we, to, I, I think it's important to point out that Swole Simba was robbed, and I am rooting for him in the losers bracket. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, it'll exactly. I think Zenith makes a good point as to what it's going to be great for. Is like remember yeah. when Yowie used to run those tournaments, and you would do it like off of Google Sheets and stuff like that. Imagine how easy it would be if like you could get people to do this in game. Like the numbers yeah. just go up and. Uh, while tournaments are a small percentage of the player base, I can speak from personal um, experience and say the tournaments are something that takes you from, you know, kind of casually enjoying this game to figuring out how, right? Try, trying to figure out more ways to play the game. Basically, figure how much of life can I justify spending on this? Well, do you? Uh, mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, how many of you guys remember the Creatureless Challenge that uh, 
you know, uh, content creators did for a while there. Like, that's the sort of thing that, like, if you can set parameters in some kind of hypothetical tournament setting thing, you can set up a creatures challenge tournament, and it would it would be a million times easier to execute than it's ever been before. Right. Or and so this is another interesting thing. I know Ian said that not everybody plays tournaments, but I feel like there's a fair number of people in the casual crowd that, if given the right tools, so let's just hypothetically say chaos arena lane changes, right? Um, some of those people might be more willing to organize like friendly, let's go play a zoo lane tournament or something. You know what I mean? So even if it might not be like the, this is ultra competitive, blah, blah, blah. Um, even just creating those like custom game modes or whatever. Uh, I, I personally, I kind of hope that we see a subset of our player base um, do that. Right. Kind of flourish yeah, in that. That's never been a thing in online card games. That's, right. that's always been a thing in Magic. Right. Like all these crazy different formats. That yeah, two-headed giant, never, commander. Never been a thing. No, no online card game's really done that before, and this is the option for maybe Tesla to try and do something. Well, and it's something that I said to the guy who looks like Santos Vela at, uh, at dinner, <laughs> which was that like going to Friday Night Magic doesn't make you a competitive player. It, you know, like casual players, like the vast majority of us want to play in tournaments. We just don't. You know, we're never going to qualify for the ones where Ian or, or Dust are beating us, you know. This this is an opportunity to play with people on our level. I say this as a guy who would love to play in a Creatureless Challenge tournament or like a casual thing on a Saturday or something like that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's really exciting. Um, and I think um, we, it's probably not uh, – it's probably okay for us to say this considering this is something that they've shown you, that out of the things that they kind of showed us that this is the one that's – uh, closest to being implemented uh, into the game, so that's 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 something we're really excited about. Yeah, yeah, I I'm legitimately excited, and um, they did say that they were also going to do their best to put some additional tools in for uh, like supporting the smaller scale events as well. So again, if if you think like, well, the only way I can earn prizes is if I play in these ultra competitive things, like they were open to some different ideas and different ways to to pitch things. So they they want to make this work. Like you could tell this was really important to them um, in different modes, different styles. Yeah. And you could tell um, that Pete is somebody who has played in Magic the Gathering tournaments was genuinely yes. pissed. Was genuinely pissed that Tesla doesn't have a tournament client yet. He was right. actually mad. Yeah, actually hearing him talk about play magic, playing magic and like talking to people about their playmats and things and um, it was really interesting. Uh, you know what else made me think about? How much uh, MTG Arena sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted it to be good. I wanted it to be good too. <laughs> So also one of the interesting things I, I kind of wanted to throw up uh, was, so this is like your, your versus screen hypothetical uh, mock-up for playing in a tournament. Like in, you know, you're getting ready to start a round, if you will. And I thought that this was a really like interesting screen or telling screen because it had a match history that if you then go back and look at the bracket, right, when you're, they're paired together, you can see this match history is your tournament match history. So 
uh, what I don't know if it'll be like a long time tracking thing they didn't cover this with us or I don't know if it'll just be tournament to tournament but even just being open to the idea of tracking tournament specific match history and what that could mean for the future right um, is kind of a big deal like I could almost imagine a world where like maybe they still have ladder but then they also do stuff based on like your tournament performances in certain things just like magic does um, just yeah. the fact that they are again are because they didn't cover that with us but the fact that it's on the screen and it's something that they're clearly thinking about is enough to get me uh excited about potential there as well excuse me i will uh excuse myself for just a moment while i try to figure out if we're allowed to talk about something <laughs> <laughs> yeah hey i gotta ask real quick this is zenith dragon you said you got this mtg playmat at gp Denver a few years ago. What year was that? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just curious. Well, you you take today's year, Justin, and then you subtract yeah. a few years, and clearly that's the year. Bro, I couldn't even subtract real numbers. Like, <laughs> I need right. specifics. I'm pretty sure we're not allowed to talk about it. Okay, yeah. that's too bad. <laughs> yes, I actually yes. had something I was going to say too, and now I can't remember what it was. <laughs> something important. Yeah. So uh, yeah. that's kind of it for I'm going to put our faces back up. Now, oh, right? I, I remember what I was going to say. Like, consider like who came, right? Like there were a lot of content creators, but there was also J-Star, the guy who for two years now has organized and run the Elder Scrolls Legends Champion Series. Like the tournament push uh, with this, this uh, client thing is real. Like they, they care about this stuff a lot. Um, the fact that, uh, you know, of all the legends related people in the world that could have brought, like they brought J star is huge. Yeah. He was the only, he was the only non-streamer that got invited. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't on either of the teams. Yep. Yeah. So to be fair, to be fair I've only streamed five times. <laughs> <laughs> so now let me ask you guys a, a future oriented question. How excited are you guys for E3? Uh, Hold on, I'm looking at the seat. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I never get super excited about it. It's the problem is they're gonna uh, like it, it, with every game they're just gonna talk about a bunch of cool stuff. For three months <laughs> it gets me like, God damn it, I want it now. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. I'm excited for E3. I mean, both because like. Uh, I mean, over the last couple of years of playing Legends, I've gotten a lot more familiar with um, Bethesda's the rest of Bethesda's catalog, and I'm always interested in what they got going on. Um, I'm excited to hear what they announced for Legends and stuff, so I know what things I'm allowed to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, I just, I don't know. I, it'll be really cool to see everybody else's reaction to this like new chapter in in Elder Scrolls Legends. You know, I think this is the sort of thing, like, uh, you know, a new developer, a new client, all this that, like, marketed correctly could be, like, a huge expansion of Legends. Hmm. Plus all the other okay. shit that, like, you know, is coming out of pipeline. We right. talk about. <laughs> that I also think will be huge for Legends. That's you why know? I'm staying mostly silent. <laughs> I, yeah. I feel like we're rubbing up against a lot of stuff. Like, <laughs> no, but to be fair, to be totally fair. Even before Charmer and I ever signed an NDA, we spoke about the game the exact same way. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we have the technical difficulty screen, even yeah. when we didn't know anything. <laughs> yeah, it's just more. It's just more suiting now. But right now, there's just the possibility of a lawsuit. 
yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to see what they have. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm gonna not say more. Yeah. I do um, feel like I do feel like it, relatively soon we should go to the interactive part of the podcast because I know people got a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah. No, we should probably transition to that now. It's about that time. Um, yeah. So uh, I mean, we've been kind of keeping an eye, but let's like officially open it up. Fire, fire those questions in. We will do our best to dodge them. <laughs> and if you if you guys have questions about the the current state as well, I know a couple of people were yeah quite you, anything about legends past present kind of some stuff about the future and uh also it doesn't even have to be about legends you can ask us about whatever you want to talk about <laughs> here i'll ask a question i'll ask you answer it uh hey guys what were the what were the i'll ask a question as the audience you guys can answer hey guys you guys mentioned that you you talked about uh nerfs that you were discussing oh yeah with the uh with the, the new developers you want to go in depth about about what those were sure yeah we we came up with four proposed balance changes we, we sat around and talked about this for a couple hours and hammered it out. Um, we proposed Plalu Oathman to 1-1. One, one. Do, do, do you want to go into the details of why? Uh, the effect is cool. The effect makes sense. It's a unique card, so doing that, doing two things that Halalu sort of includes in his class identity means you probably shouldn't like, right. completely gut the card. Um, right. And the fact that it's a free plot enabler, I think, is really so nerfing the magicka while well, makes a little bit of sense i think it's better to just make it so the body isn't as good like those effects are the reason the card exists the, exactly the downside is you get a free 2-2 out of it which is kind of dumb right and, and at a 1-1 at, at one, one, this is something we all kind of agreed on like it meant that an early one could still be traded into positively by an opposing player and it wasn't going to be as snowbally and explosive yeah. um we proposed drain vitality to two magicka just makes it uh it I mean it could still it's still maybe the best card in the game at two magicka but just makes it so it's harder to get the early level three that wins the game instantly against aggro which is kind of the big bullshit thing mm. and uh tell boss magister to at the end of your turn if tell magister tell boss magister has ward you gain ward very small subtle change yeah it, it I, make, I, it's really it's really cool i really like that it's never gonna happen because it's probably too complicated to put on a card, but it's awesome. The idea that you have to think about whether you want to trade the Telvas right. uh, and take the value trade with the ward or keep it for the sake of protecting face. Um, there were four other cards that we mentioned that we talked about being like a little too powerful, but like we couldn't come to any kind of consensus about changing. Those were Goblin Skulk, Ulfrix Uprising, Wardcrafter, and Hand of Dagoth. And then we proposed that Duke Venom, Venom Dren triggers himself told him buffalo but yeah yeah i mean duke duke is so bad he's like i mean five mana four four draw a card a turn is not overpowered that's yeah. ash berserker he's he's yeah. he's uh like objective i mean i know it's a targeted tutor potentially or whatever but he's just like so objectively worse than all of the other tri-color unique legends that giving him yeah. a buff it, it just reminds me of like when they gave Brynjolf a buff you know taking him from a 4-4 exactly. to a 4-5 just to make him you know usable felt right yeah. you know fine i think that duke you know playing him and getting a card feels fine like he's he's your unique house right. like spokesperson legendary in a 75 card deck he should do right. something splashy as it stands it's almost always going to be worse than genius path mage yep 
Yeah, I mean, that's ultimately it, right? And then, like, even comparing him to Sun and Shadow, um, the drawback on Sun and Shadow is almost non-existent, but it still is, like, a targeted uh, tutor that has better stats. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? So. Right. Um, just because I hijacked with that question, uh, to make sure the people who jumped in the first questions don't get uh, lost. Justin, are you still playing Eternal? Oh, yes, I am. Yeah. Yeah, Eternal's a really good game. I agree. It's an awesome game. I love it. Um, it scratches the itch that I wish MTG Arena scratched. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it's a different kind of game. Games yeah. with, games with. Um, it's such an advantage, I think, of games that have. Yeah. Uh, non non guaranteed mana is they can be really creative with their cards because there's always right. that inherent balancing with really powerful stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean. I mean. Yeah. That's the you know the truth about magic and internal and stuff like that is that sometimes you just don't get to play. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the that's the downside. I mean, that um, happens then, in Legends too, but that's like, that's because you got all of your Manticoras. All right. And then, uh, JHTV Why? was one of the first ones as well. I said, "What what is your what are your biggest concerns about the future of the?" Um, I mean, I I mean, it, it is possible that uh, Sparky Dog hires a bunch of uh... I need Sparky Dog again. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that they hire a bunch of guys who don't know how to design card games and some horribly unbalanced set comes out and uh, the game is ruined. Yep. I mean, look, it's possible. A meteor could also hit their offices, right? I mean, like... <laughs> I think I, I think the first one's more like... Because I think there's a very small number of people planning that can make card games. Yeah. yeah. They gotta play them. I mean, that's a concern. Um, I guess for me, the only reason I'm not like... I, I'm less concerned that they hire a bunch of people who don't know how to do card games and just more concerned with that they don't hire people at all. Because I don't think that they're going to hire people who don't know how to do card games, right? Like, they're going to be very selective in their process. They're not going to grab, you know, some guy off the street. Um, but my only concern would be if they just can't find the people that they would feel confident in, right? Like, and I say this as somebody who, you know my day jobs uh you know i manage teams i've done hiring like i just went through a round of hiring in my day job two weeks ago where i'm bringing on four new people into my team um and that's i can tell you that's a rarity where i found four quality candidates usually you have a candidate pool and it's really hard to find people that you are going to think is a fit and this is a very like niche job right like the the pool of potentially good applicants um isn't probably like really large to begin with and so then trying to find people you think will make a great team um, i can see that as potentially being a challenge so to me it's not um, i'm not worried that they aren't uh, gonna hire quality people i just worry that they may not be able to find them the way that they would want that would be my concern but that's you know like me applying my hr nightmares to their scenario i i, I hope they find them yeah, I think I think uh, they'll have every every resource to do so. Uh, Soldier Ron asked the question that I don't think we're allowed to answer. Which one was that? Do you think the next set will be delayed while they hire? Yeah, we definitively can't answer that. I'm sorry. Yeah, I would love yeah, to, but technical difficulties screen. <laughs> yeah, here, hold on. Let me let me put up exactly what we can. Ah, there we go. Yep, there's there's everything we know about the next set. Um, yeah, sorry. I'm glad that made the chance. <laughs> yeah. We knew it was going to happen at least once. Yeah. Um, oh, I won't, go ahead. I was, 
I was going to say, Eternal Youth asked, uh, will Sparky Pants actually market the game? So many friends who play CCG games barely ever heard of uh, Elder Scrolls Legends. And right. that's a two-part question. Uh, the first is, uh, Sparky Pants isn't going to directly market it. That's all done through Bethesda. Um, but I would just say that they're not going to like sit around and do nothing, I guess is the way I'll word that one. And um, so the other part of that is, is that... Uh, Sparky Pants is certainly being uh, encouraged to be active in the community and do things like uh, developer streams and things like that, just like they always encouraged Direwolf to do it. So, I, I want to, like, you know, I was, I caught myself because I was about to say, and, and and the Sparky Pants guys are like really cool dudes. Like, it was, re they really seem jazzed about all this. Seem like hard workers who are listening to the community and stuff. But I, I have to give them their credit, like. The Direwolf guys have always been pretty cool dudes too. Like I, they make great games. I mean, you know, I mean, they they're some of the coolest people I've ever met in the gaming industry. Um, and I really do hope that you know things with Eternal and with Clank and their other properties continue to do well. And and you know, uh, Pete even said on the stream yesterday that like Maricon is always going to be a part of the community. Like he designed this game. You know, it's not like. Yeah their legacy is gone and we're, we're shitting all over them or something like that. We're just genuinely excited about the future of the game. Like that doesn't, you know, it's not any slight against the past because like legends is one of the best balanced games. I, I think that has ever been designed as far as CCGs go. Um, the mechanics are interesting. They took uh, a con, you know, the, the online CCG concept and made it this um, really modern, like standing on the shoulders of giants kind of improvement upon almost every system available. This is just the next step in that evolution. Uh, I would, I was gonna say for Eternal Youth and Griffin Guest, but the the same uh, exact answer, which is Griffin. Did they talk about marketing at all during the summit? Yes. Will Sparky yeah. Pants replace that with Bethesda? Will Sparky Pants actually market the game? Yes. <laughs> Based on you can you could base that on the yeah. fact that I said yes to Griffin's question. There's reason to believe. There's a lot of uh, definitive reason to believe that the answer to that. Yeah. <laughs> the founder is James P. Sparky Pants. Yeah. <laughs> no, no you can actually find uh, the like, founder slash owner has done some interviews back when they were developing Drop Zone. So like, you can go look that stuff yeah. up. I'm waiting for them to follow me on Twitter. <laughs> um, but what Benji said, what about the card design? The Dire on Tesla aren't they have a job? Uh, Direwolf has, I think, three card games. Um, one is Eternal, and they have a couple, two other like small mobile games that I saw that they were working on at PAX, and then they also make board games, so uh, there's plenty for them to do. Yeah, and if you've never played Clank, their board game, like, it is legitimately the best board game I've ever played. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. that's that's actually Maricon's baby. If you guys yeah. know Maricon from chat, yeah, that is that is his baby. It's an absolutely incredible game. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I would just say they aren't just card designers at direwolf like they're game designers who just also work on card games so they they'll have plenty to do if yeah. they decide to stay or whatever they decide to do you know i think they also at least a year and a half ago they also uh did the online version of the pokemon yeah card they, game. they still do that too and now that, that so that's four because there was there was the two small mobile games which I forget the names of, and they have the Eternal yeah. and Pokemon TCG that they still work on. So, Daryl's okay. uh, got a lot of stuff to do. Yeah. Sure, they did Drop Zone, but have they done anything not based on a Wesley Snipes movie? <laughs> 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 That's pretty good. 
Um, How much commission does Justin Larson get for each Clank board game sold on the street? <laughs> <laughs> I talk a lot about Clank, but like, if you've played it, man, like you'll know what I'm talking about. Like, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And the answer is not enough. <laughs> uh, D. Savarade says, why did they change developer? And uh, we can't talk about that any more than what has yeah. been spoken by Bethesda. Um, yeah. You can check out the Bethesda channel. If you go to Friday's date, there's a long stream of CVH and Pete Hines talking specifically. Yeah. Um, let's see. I, do we, I'm sure we missed questions. This happens every week. I just started. I've been, try I've been trying to make sure we don't. I think, I think we're yeah. So yeah, keep the questions coming. We'll answer anything we can. And <laughs> God damn it. Uh, that would be cool, Super. Uh, is, is, is Sparky fans well informed about past patches of the game or chance we can trick them into buffing out post it? Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> I, I would say they are aware. Yeah. Yeah. Bring back Outpost. Yeah, they seem pretty well informed about, like, the, the game and stuff like that yeah i mean I, I would say it's uh it's certainly not their first rodeo um he actually i, I i'm fine with sharing this uh peter generos uh one of the two gentlemen from sparky that was there uh tell has told us that he is active on twitch has even subbed to a few of the streamers before oh shit and, one of your, and that he also has played a lot of Legends, but he would not, however, tell me what his Twitch or his in-game name was. Nice. He said that we could probably, like, figure it out if we tried hard enough, but... Psycho Bunny, Psycho Banny D wants to know what we think are the top underperforming cards, things that should be good but aren't. That's an interesting question. Jarrell Forager. It should be good because I have a premium set of them, but it's not performing well because it's bad. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, there's uh, there's it there's not a ton of those in Legends. Like most of the ones like that look really powerful. Yeah. <laughs> Jay Silver says, "Uh oh, I gotta go, guys." <laughs> yeah. All right, Peter Silver. <laughs> um, but is the J for Generos? Uh? Oh shit. <laughs> uh, but most of them you can figure out if you're. Like example being like Scar Drill Master, you can figure out like it yeah. looks really powerful, but you can figure out why it doesn't work. Scar Drill um, Master is definitely one that I've I've tried playing with. You know, in, in one game out of ten, it's like, oh yeah, this card's awesome, and then you, <laughs> then you lose a bunch of games. <laughs> I'd say if I had one answer to that, it's sharp Ash can because I yeah. I there's so yeah. many ways like you could think, okay, this has to work. It's perfect. The deck is totally built around it. I didn't have to make the deck bad or anything. Right. And it's just still the worst card in the deck. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that actually in Maryland. Yeah. Um. Hmm. What else? I I I kind of got. Well. Hmm. That's a tough one to say. Yeah, it is. It's a tough question. Yeah. I I, I try to. F oh yeah, Hatchery Meddler is a good example of that. Yeah, Hatchery Meddler is a lot of utility. Yeah, I think Hatchery Meddler is like one of the strongest like low rarity cards that you can grab in Arena. Um, its constructed applications are much more limited than like it seems like something with that much utility would have. Back alley rogue is another one because I think I've always yeah. considered stealing cover really really powerful effect, and yeah, it's like, only very slightly understated. Yeah, um, but it's just never been able to find any place. Yeah. 
Um, what are our opinions on the debate of Thieves Guild Recruit versus Fighters Guild Recruit? I think Thieves Guild Recruit is almost always better. I was going to say the opposite. <laughs> I was going to say Mage's Guild Recruit. Yeah, that's a card that was like didn't have the huge impact I think a lot of people thought it would. Yeah, but I'm I just... lost pretty terribly to it the other day because somebody played turn two mages, turn three mages, and then a very, very cheap conscription. Nice. Nice. Uh, actually, dude, I gotta try that now. <laughs> <laughs> what class is that? Telvani, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm the sucker for anything that helps you control field. And fighter, Fighter's Guild on an empty board is still amazing. That's why I love it, so... It does just like, hey, field lane, what are you going to sacrifice? Yeah, yeah and it the, does and... depend. Obviously, they're both really good cards, Griffin. Yeah, they are both really good cards. Deranged Corpus and Snowy Sabercat love Hatchery Meddler. Uh, I don't know that Deranged Corpus and Hatchery Meddler is a combo. Deranged, wait, Deranged, yeah, Deranged, that just gives it, it kills it. <laughs> <laughs> it. It dies. That doesn't, wait, does it work? It, well, it kills your opponents. Oh, no, 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 no. That's, no, that actually does work. That's true. Because it swaps the attack over to the five and he still has the effect. So it didn't oh, yeah. it into a, a six five. Wow, that's actually that's actually really clever. I never thought so, that. One. So yeah, somebody yeah, already yeah. mentioned Snowy Sabercat in chat. That's my favorite meddler target. Yeah. Telvani, oh, Telvani, Snowy Sabercat, where you put on like Imperial armors and then. Meddler. It doesn't work. Oh, never mind. That's interesting. It sounds like it. yeah, it sounds like that should be a bug. That should work. Huh, yeah, it should work. Do we feel like a bad person when you listen to Silt Strider Death Cry? Yes, it, ha it haunts me in my dreams. I see I've, Silt Strider on the face of every child. <laughs> I've I've described that sound effect as it sounds like he just like punched Chewbacca in the face. Oh no! <laughs> he's just, and he's not aggressive or anything. He's just yeah, he doesn't know why he did it. That's awesome. It's amazing that Snowy Sabercat has actually become like an actual reasonable meta card. Like it's become just a solid card in Halalu. There's people like Ione yeah. has kind of become even in Monk. Ione's just started putting Snowy Sabercat and everything. Kind of. Yeah. Well, I delete, delete, delete Monk Strike though, right? Like, is it any good then? Potentially. I mean, yeah. I think it's always been kind of underrepresented for the same reason that. Um, like bannerman wasn't for a while but the difference between bannerman and sabercat is is that uh bannerman like if it gets one attack but then it dies you can still use the pieces to combo later whereas snowy sabercat usually it's kind of the same thing right like if you let it attack you probably lose but if if they don't have the stuff to make the combo good like right then then it's less impactful than say bannerman was but they're kind of the same creature in my mind in that like you play it and if it survives you probably win yeah, something something Link always brought up in regards to that is, uh, is something that I hadn't considered before is that Markarth Bannerman can also defend itself. Like it's it the its trigger also gives you things that help you defend the Markarth Bannerman so it can Correct. go off again. Yeah. Where the cat just has a big health yeah. pool. Um, do are there any cards we think should be unnerfed? We oh, can un we can yeah. unnerf Crystal Tower Crafter and watch the world burn. Yeah, I would not want to see that. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine like a world where people are playing any like betray cards in Crystal Tower Crafter? 
Um, I just want to play Crystal Tower Crafter now that we have something like Thieves Guild Fence. Like, if that card existed in old Action Assassin, it would have been a nightmare. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, you can you can figure out like some Crystal Tower Crafter. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> um, Zilver asks, what are each of our favorite cards? What is our plunder? I mean, I can go uh, first because mine's easy. It's Nord Firebrand and any cards that make Nord Firebrand. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason that this is an emote on my channel, right? It's yeah. time to fight, yeah. baby. Um, I mean, my answer's always been Barbus, but for the non-Barbus answer, I've always had a, a, a secret love for Thieves' Den. I'm trying to make that card work. Thieves' Den is a good one. Uh, I really like Arche and Venom Tongue. I know it's not good, and now it's totally outclassed. <laughs> but uh, that's a card that I, I I've put in way more decks than I should have. I'm a big fan of Iron Atronach. Um, yeah, Alter. More more actively, mine is probably Ravenous Crocodile. Mm. I really really yeah. like that card. I've I've made it work in actual meta decks, which is not right. true of Thieves Den. Thieves Den, I keep trying, but Ravenous yeah. Crocodile, I found places for. Jungle Man wants to know when I can expect the Caius Casades cosplay. I will say, I have another costume video, like the outline mapped out, but you won't see it for a little bit. Dun dun dun. <laughs> it's part of the NDA. Yeah, it is. The Sparky Pantaloons have anyone deep done before? Real, real question, Justin. When can we expect yeah. you to do a Matt Oblivion cosplay since you know what he looks like? I can do that right now. <laughs> Give me I, five seconds. I know this is a this is a softball. I was throwing you a bone. I'm Matt Oblivion, guys. How are you doing? Oh, look at you, <laughs> beautiful Dutch face. Yeah, I know. Yep. Tease a silhouette? No, I'm not teasing anything. We did get him to say, oh, please. Yeah, we did. That was pretty great. <laughs> he said the thing. Do you think we will see more rewards for finishing High Legend? The investment of time to be top 20 or 100, I always felt should be rewarded. And if what what kind of rewards would you want to see if they did? Um, I mean, we didn't... I, I think we could say we didn't really talk about much regarding that, but I can say the fact that CVH works at Bethesda now means, yeah, we'll probably see something. Because <laughs> <Yeah>, that's, <laughs> that's something that's something he would Yeah. What are our thoughts on Piercing Javelin and Budget Halalu? I don't think Piercing Javelin belongs in most of the current Halalu decks. I don't mind throwing cast them time in there. I, I frequently run Halalu decks with no prophecies in them. Yeah. But I mean, I think just for Necromancers... I don't mind running cast into time in any deck right now. That's fair. Yeah. That's that's fair. Yeah, I mean that would be my answer. I would say if if you're truly on a budget, um, <laughs> see here's the problem, right? Like cast into times in the uh, Forgotten Hero collection, yeah. which you probably you don't have if you're, if you're on, on a budget. budget but that's, it's a really, a really good, good set. Point. So buy it yeah. if you're on a budget. Um, it's what like a thousand gold. Yeah, fifteen hundred. Yeah, fifteen hundred. But uh, yeah, cast into time I think is the superior one because it. It just does more for you, and the prophecy chance of Javelin is uh, so much smaller in a 75-card deck, and especially an aggressive one that I think yeah. cast cast has more proactive uh, opportunities to help you than the Javelin does. Yeah. Nothing's wrong with piercing. It's it, it, You're playing a deck that cares a lot about tempo, 
and in some situations right. cares about value. And piercing javelin is bad tempo and bad value, whereas think, cast into time is at least good value sometimes. I think that Halalu can take care of uh, creatures they want to remove in two more effective ways. You know, they can silence them and they can trade into them because they're drawing a million more cards than you. <laughs> exactly. So medieval gaming follows up with the question, what's wrong with piercing? So the the biggest issue uh, with piercing versus cast into time is that cast into time is a way to remove specifically problematic cards and potentially not have to worry about them. Even like if you're an aggressive Halalu player, even as something as simple as like getting rid of Sower of Revenge, getting rid of even like Hive Defender, just problem cards that are going to sit in your way and potentially prevent you from closing out the game. Um, you know, like Ian said, Necromancer, Giant Bats, right? Like if if uh, a scout player is dumb enough to leave a Giant Bat on the board for you and you can hit that with Cast Into Time so that they're not bringing them back later, that is so much more beneficial than just like the off chance of a Prophecy uh, triggering Javelin that the Cast Into Time is just worth more right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. the puzzle. <laughs> I wish the puzzle. Uh, Galen, that's if another great answer too, right? If, so, if somebody plays Galen yeah. and you see where they put the the Galen card on, the minute yeah. they play the original, you cast into time it, you get rid of all the copies as well. That's huge. So I, that's why I mentioned I, Necromancer because yeah. if they have a if they have a Necromancer in their hand, that is always the target for Galen. Right. I have a funny anecdote to share real quick. I uh, I was playing. Uh, PDMAX's Abomination Scout and Gauntlet today, <laughs> and uh, I had my first um, fence and my first uh, uh, Namira thing creature both cast into time, uh, and, yeah. and and I still won. <laughs> Damn! Yeah, it was pretty great. Seems like prophecies have fallen by the wayside. They have. Yeah. What happens when there's like meta? And prophecies don't really do that much against it. Yeah. Zombie Hunter 9x19. Uh, Charmer, with the new client, will there be an option to view the banished area? Oh, fuck. That, that's something we should have talked about, actually. Yeah. <laughs> like, should, why weren't you there? That's, that's actual good feedback we didn't offer. <laughs> Just yeah. go, go find one of the Sparky Pants guys. And... Yeah. I mean, actually, we should we should say something about that because that is <laughs> that's an important, like, totally like huge oversight that yeah. the game currently doesn't let you see that. Is there any possible adjustments exalt cards can have to make a mechanic more usable on ladder? The costs versus buff you get on most are so bad. Uh, they can just make better cards. Yeah, it's yeah. not that the mechanic is bad; it's that the cards are really, really bad. Yeah, the I, mechanic is great actually. It's yeah. just I've I've kind of talked about this at length. So the problem with the mechanic is that right now the cards that exist for it. Uh, with the exception of a handful of like unique legendaries with very unique effects, um, the problem is is there the flexibility that Exalt provides you isn't worth it on either end of the spectrum. Uh, it's like you're getting two cards for the price of one, but both those cards are bad. You know, you, you got like the two two drain, yeah. right? Like that that costs two. Well, a two two for two that only has one keyword isn't good, right? Unless that keyword is Ward, you don't care. Unless that keyword is charged, you don't care. 2-2 two, two drain, not good. Or you could yeah. pay 5 to make it a 4-4 four, four drain. Still not really good. Um, right. 
And that's the, like, it's just kind of inherent throughout. Like, even the one that's like a 3-3 guard that can become a, what is it, like a 5-5 guard for 6? Like, 3-3 three, three guards that have things like Prophecy uh, still don't get played. Um, like The uh, the 4 magic one that can kill a creature with less power than it. Like, I can imagine a meta where that card is really, really good. We just don't live in that world right now. Right. So, the way that you get around it is, like Ian said, you just print better cards, and you do it one of two ways. You either do things where um, the stats uh, per cost ratio go from just outright bad to at least, like, borderline playable um or you make the and this is another way you could potentially address it you make more cards that benefit from exalt cards being in play um again right now we have unique legendaries that do it but that's about it uh or um you could tweak some cards like one of the things i mentioned on twitter a while back was like what if the power of the elm cv uh only affected cards that weren't exalted right so like everything not exalted gets turned into a one one Suddenly I have a reason to play that card over other mass removal. Suddenly I have a reason to exalt my creatures. Um, I'd also like to see it potentially be used as a way to make better summon effects. And what I mean by that is, is uh, right now, anytime you print a creature that has a summon effect, you have to take into account cards like Dark Rebirth, A Night to Remember, Ulfric's Uprising. So it's really hard to put... Uh, powerful summon effects on creatures without thinking like how do they abuse this with the flicker effects um, exalt however does not get triggered by those cards so you could potentially say here i have a four four for four but if i exalt it for like three maybe i get this very powerful summon comes into play effect but i only get it for that one shot because i can't ulfric's uprising it for example i would like to see maybe some more cards in that vein as well um yeah i think i think the mechanic, like, inherently is fine. It just needs better uh, iterations of how you use it. I agree. Yeah, I, I think it, it is It is a good point to just find out, like, the small little ways if you could make... Like, imagine the 3-3 three, three guard that has... Imagine if it was a 3-4 instead. Just instantly that card goes yes. from unplayable to a real consideration. Or it, it would be more extreme, but the, uh, the Grand Inquisitor the four cost two three uh, if you made that a three three and it was able to kill skulk even if you increase the cost, yeah like stuff like skulk daggerfall mage that has actual targets that they just can't hit right now because it's just not good enough right yep 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 which activated abilities for a thing as well that would be really cool yeah i it'd get be, the, it'd be interesting. I, I get the feeling that that sort of thing is an inevitability in this game you know, yeah. I mean, they, they've clearly they demonstrated in the past, and, and granted, we have a new developer now, but like they demonstrated in the past, like a total willingness to pretty dramatically increase the complexity of the game with each expansion. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm sure activated abilities on creatures will happen. Yeah, so it, it's probably easy, not easy, but very reasonable to assume they could do that considering supports already have that like exact function. You just have right. to put it in the creature. So, exactly. uh, somebody else uh, in chat says, so uh, exalt should be sucky, non-exalt, but really good on the exalt version. I don't think that's necessarily the right way to go because the attraction to the exalt mechanic is the flexibility. And if you only ever make it so that one version is good and the other version is bad, then it's basically as if you never played the bad version, right? Like you're only putting a single card in your deck. You're always going to play the exalted version. Um, at that point, just print the card without exalt as the exalted version, right? I think that right. you have to at least make it uh, attractive 
in both options without punishing it too hard for the flexibility. And I think that right. they uh, maybe just erred on the side of caution with this first go round. Um, but I think that they, you know, like Ian said, could do a couple of minor things just here or there to, to make them uh, worth the consideration. I mean, both sets have to be okay. You're correct about that. But in most of the situations, neither side is okay. They're, right. They're both really bad. Uh, Medieval Gaming asks, is Vivek worth the exalt, or is he too susceptible to things like silence and cast into time, or even Fighter's Guild recruit, or uh, like Giant Bat into Leaf Lurker, etc.? Uh, Vivek's stat line is worth the exalt alone, without the ability, in the right deck, in the right situation. Vivek's comedy value is worth it yeah. by himself. That's one of the... Yeah. I would... Some decks can't beat him just a standoff yeah this is what i would say about vivic you don't build your deck around vivic right like i think that trying to like build the lockout is wrong but i think that if you play any sort of like willpower control based deck he's worth the one-off slot because he can accidentally win you games right if you play right. against aggro and they just don't have an answer yeah he can be silenced sure but if they don't have it at that time and he buys you a turn two turns three four five like he can potentially buy you so much time to stabilize that by the time they find an answer, like you've just won anyway. Mm -hmm. um, so he's, I think, you know, worth the one slot as a Hail Mary for just accidentally winning. Yeah. Super kept putting in an aggro to win races, and we did the Eternal Conflict, which is trying to figure out whether he's about it being good or if he's just memeing. <laughs> <laughs> every, every good idea he's even going back to Giants Battle Mage originally, we're like, is he just screwing around? Yeah. Yeah. Good time. Oh, I've seen Vivek a lot. I've, I've seen some Viviks in play, yeah. I've definitely seen more of all three of the Tribunal Gods than I expected to when they were uh, revealed. Yeah, I thought Almalexia was the best, and that's the one I never seen. Yeah, I was gonna say I see Almalexia the the least frequently, and I also felt like it had the most utility because it was proactive. Like you could play her, and if you'd already had something else exalted, then you could use her to those creatures to trade in and get like immediate value value trades. Um, yeah. But that was the incorrect assessment because it turns out you just don't have other exalted creatures ever because they suck, yeah. right? Like, right. in theory, I felt like she had the best like immediate value, but. The other two ended up being much, much better. I mean, I, I was wrong just because I thought 10 mana, 12, 12 can't be damaged was good enough in midrange, and it wasn't. Yeah. Good times. Yeah, so the sill uh, turns out better than advertised. Yeah. He's just a, no, no, a super powerful card. It's just a matter of... There are very few important. ways to answer so the sill one for one yep. one for two or you know well you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah uh i don't that's an interesting question sorry you can read it uh jage asks do you think the total amount of legends ranks should be limited per season no yeah, yeah I, don't. I, don't, I don't know what that accomplishes yeah, I don't know what that accomplishes either. Like, to say, you know, you were a legend, but then you got pushed out just to put, like, an, an arbitrary cap on it um, feels wrong. I mean, we already have the numeric values, so um, saying, like, only the top 500 people are legends, like, so what? We can see who the top 500 are because we have 
the the rankings, right? right? So there, I don't think there's any reason to not say, you know, these, because to me, legend rank, I mean, it is a sign of prestige, but it's also just as much to me, like saying, these are the people that just put a lot of time and effort into the game. And, um, you know, even if you're number 3000, you cared enough about the game to play that long. There's no reason that you shouldn't, you know, have something to show for it. Yeah, yeah all, all it does is exclude people like Griffin Gasp. <laughs> I don't even know if he's still here. I just wanted to make that joke. <laughs> when they add the five other uh, houses, they might make more exalted and rally cards. Uh, it's possible. I mean, like ex uh, rally in particular, because cards like Mundestone can grant it. I feel like is here to stay. Yeah. Yeah. Here's what I would say. Uh, suggest as a like a train of thought and bear this in mind I, I say this not knowing uh, like the future cards or whatever right this is entirely speculation um, I would not be shocked if uh, the way that this goes is we get houses of Morrowind uh, it, it wouldn't shock me if we get something smaller that also plays up the existing archetypes we just got and then another big set that has the other five houses and then something smaller for those I don't think that we're going to go five tricolors right into another five tricolors because really, as we saw with Houses of Morrowind, you need a big set to do that. And I don't think they're going to do two big ones back to back. Um, but we also did just get a bunch of new mechanics like plot, like rally, etc. I think people want to see more of that. So it wouldn't shock me if, you know, again, we don't get something supplementary first before we get the other big ones. And I say that again, not knowing anything about that. That's a 100% speculation. Daedric Princess is your guess? That would be cool. I mean, it it's it's just a question of what they want to do for the next major expansion. And yeah. there's a lot of directions they could go with it. And in the, in the past, they've they've linked a lot towards uh, ESO. So I've always I've always contested that I want them to do something new. I want them. There's like right. the amount of lore in in the Elder Scrolls universe that is just untouched. Oh, it's yeah. just like the only the only existence of it is the books of Livian and Skyrim and all that stuff and like these cool parts of the world that haven't actually been seen in an Elder Scrolls game. Yeah. Lusty Argonian <laughs> made expansion confirmed. <laughs> yeah. Apartments I mean... of Morrowind. <laughs> Apartments of Morrowind. Yeah. <laughs> Hell I mean, yeah. There's there's still so many things that exist that we haven't seen um and there's also the room like as we saw with return to clockwork city there's even room for things that don't exist yet right like we got mechanar and some of those things yeah. uh, that were brand new um but you know we we still haven't seen like dawn guard or the oblivion stuff or uh they like to do eso tie-ins right like we just got houses of morrowind after eso has been doing the morrowind stuff so uh, at yeah. some point it wouldn't shock me if we saw like somerset isles um, there's there's a lot that they have left to tap into, which is fun. Yeah. Arena Gath uh, says that Treasure Hunt was a new mechanic, but we haven't seen anything new for it. Treasure Hunt is, in my opinion, the worst mechanic they've ever introduced on several levels. It's it's like it's not interesting enough to encourage somebody who doesn't really care about winning to build a deck around. It's not competitively viable. It's not uh, supported enough to be you know I think, to, to be built on a theme. 
yeah, I think there's stuff they could do to improve it, but we've also, you know, that was only released in Return to Clockwork City, right? And then since that time, we got one 10-card pack, or, well, 12, right? But I still consider it a 10-card pack because of the singleton stuff. Um, so, like, we got Forgotten Hero Collection, and that is small enough we're not going to see Treasure Hunt there. And then we got Houses of Morrowind, which introduced brand new stuff. Yeah, I'm not surprised we haven't seen Treasure Hunt since then. I, I wouldn't say that it's 100% off the table. It just needs more to make it work. Yeah. Uh, the new monthly reward card. Yeah, Blackwood Distiller. I think it's really strong. I don't want to be the negative guy again. Yeah. I think it's really, really bad. Uh, I've, I've tried to make it... Uh, not necessarily tried to make it work, but I think the problem is it, it currently fits into only archetypes that don't have enough support and it doesn't make those archetypes any better uh it doesn't improve mid scout or slay scout and i think the decks already weren't that good um and while it's it's really cool to have the combo aspect of it that's something that was already in the game in torval crook in a lesser form right and yeah that i got... never like that's the big thing like the 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 slay gain one magicka that's I mean, it's it's nice to have that, but the big thing is the pilfer game three that lets you ramp out these crazy things like three turns early, which is a big deal, but it's not consistent enough to, I think, be good. Yeah, I mean, I would say, I don't know if I 100% agree that it doesn't make mid-scout better. I think it makes mid-scout better, but I don't think it makes it good enough because I was always struggling to find like four drops outside of Leak Coast Troll that I cared about running in that deck. So I think I could find room for it, but I just don't think it makes it that much better. Like it doesn't, it doesn't help uh, that deck beat aggro anymore, um, and I right. don't think it makes it as good as the other mid range decks at beating control. So even though I, in theory, on paper, I think it makes that deck better, it doesn't make it good enough. Is the way that I would personally uh, assess it. That's fair. I don't know, and it. I mean, it's fair to say it's something that a lot of people brought up. Uh, something that Kenny Dota said that Scouts 4s in general aren't good. But I mean, when you consider something like mid-scout, is that better than just running Corrupted Chain, Bleak Coast Troll? And do you need more than 6? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I would run it over Shade, I think, personally. I mean, I think it's I think it's an argument. And I think I think the fact that it's an argument means that it's, it's dubious whether it increases the power level at all. Right, yeah. I... I just I, I personally think that it's better than shade because um, being able to because mid scout in my mind doesn't like work unless you're playing against control right that's the meta I would want to play it in and against control being able to potentially go into a turn five baroness probably wins you the game where the shade doesn't like auto win me a game in those scenarios um, I do I. And I, I and I don't think that it's it's good in any other meta than a, a meta where you're trying to pummel control decks because mid scout is a very like tempo based like I play big things but I'm also leaf lurkering your guards and I'm just trying to snowball style deck so I don't know I will say that at five thirty in the morning I was sitting in a, in a in a rental car out front of our hotel waiting for Ian to come down and he got in and I was like hey Ian. <laughs> On turn four, I played Waves of the Fallen this morning. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great way to start a day. There's not, a, there's not a, there's not a lot of better ways to start a day. Turn four. So, so I did, I have done that just the one time though. Every other time, it's failed miserably. But yeah. I'm also not running that card in, in an ideal deck at all. I'm just trying to play that combo. And a lot of it is you're seeing a lot of 
Ram Scout right now, and Ram Scout is not friendly towards that card. Ram Scout no. has a lot of answers to that card. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. All right, last call for questions. What do you guys got? Tony going in. What do you guys think about the current discrepancy between two-color and three-color decks of the future of the game? Do you think it's going to be hard to keep the balance between them and deal with the high-roll state of the game for the current and new dev team? I think that's a really fair question, and it's definitely something they'll have to keep in mind um, because yeah. we've seen problem cards already uh, pop up in Haunted Manor and Haunt of the Hand of Dagoth, yeah. and it's like you... Yes, because you're putting yourself at a disadvantage, you should be able to run these cards, but then you see giant, like, these huge fluctuate fluctuations in win rate based on whether you have them on curve, and it's sort of a dangerous thing. Um, I, I would I would say we learned from the expansion that you don't necessarily need those for the deck to work, um, because we've seen Telvani be really good using only Sun and Shadow. Yeah. Um, Tribunal be good using only Arch Cannon, and... Um, that maybe maybe the solution next time is to not do those power spikes, but instead, you know, put all of the card, make basically the entire expansion uh, around supporting what you think are, these archetypes could be in the three color classes, um, yeah. so they can do those effectively, and it won't be as as power spiky as something like Dagoth on five. That's fair. Yeah, i I would like to see more things make the tricolor options feel like their own unique style of play as opposed to the classes, right? Um, like, in, in my mind, even though, let's say, Dagoth, right, it contains Assassin and it contains Battle Mage, um, but, like, the tools should exist for Assassin to still feel like it plays a little bit different than, say, Dagoth does. And I think they were trying to do that with introducing, like, a new, uh, like, attribute or play style um, with each of the houses, but I don't think that it necessarily landed as hard as they would have liked. Yeah. Um, but I also think that you can do the reverse, um, and it'll probably be this way for a bit because, you know, like I said, we're probably going to get something supplemental, and then we'll probably get the rest of the houses and then something <laughs> supplemental. So we're in, in reality, we're talking probably pretty far down the line, but I would like to see some stuff introduced that re-incentivizes uh, your traditional class-based decks as well. Um, you know, we've already seen like allies right in the course that, that uh almost kind of re rewarded you to to stack one attribute um i could see something similar where maybe you're rewarded for just stacking two attributes or you know something in that vein so again there's there's a lot of space that's the beauty about legends right like the game is at its core well designed enough that there's a lot of things you can do it's just a question about like what's the direction you want to take in the immediate future and in the immediate future i think that it's probably still going to be an emphasis on um making the tricolor stuff feel unique um uh, just because that's that's what's new right that's what's fresh yeah. yeah i think and i think um i don't know if if it's inherent i mean i think it is inherent but I don't, I don't know if necessarily the amount of high roll in 75 card decks is overly problematic outside of those two specific cards. I guess you can include Halalu. It's basically a Halalu class card. Um, but I, I, I do understand that that's, it's a very frustrating thing to play against, right? Yeah, and I agree. It's, I agree. And super, super touched on it as well, is like, 
playing around things is out of the window. Like if you're facing a control mage, it's reasonable to play around second ice storm. If you're playing a control Telvani, playing yeah. around second ice storm is probably strictly incorrect, and then they have it is the game. See, I think that that's the mindset that we have to just get away from, because I, I forget where it was, so I can't find the article to link to it, but somebody had done some math a while back where it was like the percent chance to see any specific card that you run three of in a 75 card deck was only like two or three percent less in your first five turns than it was for other decks i mean i'm more i'm more specifically talking about that exact second like playing around a card playing around ice storm against tribunal i think is fair sure but what i mean is is like if it's only like a three percent difference in finding your first one then it's probably still like less than 10 percent to find in a difference to find the second one so i don't think that it's it's not like well it's a 75 card deck so there's no way he should have it it's probably like if we did the math it's probably more likely still that he does i think it's more like we just have to retrain ourselves because i've i've done that same thing before where i've thought like all right well they've played one you know i'm playing against tribunal maybe they don't have the second one no they always have the second one so the minute i retrain myself to like okay, what do I do if they have three ice storms? It's been better for me, I guess. It's annoying, but I think it's, it's the right line of play. Maybe it's interesting to see what the exact statistics on it are um, in terms of, like, percentage chance to have two ice storms by turn 10 or two of any given card by turn 9, 10. Um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see. It definitely is a feel-bad moment, though. Where can Scarf. I find that math? On the interwebs. <clears throat> On the old tubes. I mean, I, even I if agree. I can't find the original Reddit post, um, like, you can go and, like, there's lots of, like, drawing simulators and things like that that you can plug stuff into. I, I tend to agree with Kenny Dodo, what he said about the, 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 more, the more issue thing. Yeah, the, the bigger issues is the, the single cards that carry a deck. And I don't even, I don't think Sower even is in that category anymore because they printed like three counters yeah. to it. I'm not but, worried about Sower Revenge anymore. Yeah, they, they literally, the last two expansions had three counters to that they cast, they had cast in uh, Hand of Dagoth and they had Talvas Magister. But, uh -huh. um, but yeah, stuff like, and that's one of the big issues with Drain Vitality, a card that carries a deck that the power spikes when you draw that card. Uh, right just lead to like huge amounts of variance and that can be really frustrating yeah <laughs> i mean it's annoying but as i'm trying to think through like the history of legends even from like open beta launch that's kind of always existed oh yeah you know I what mean, i mean like it's never not going to be a thing there's always i mean like even skullcon too that kind of thing that's well, a huge like, spike in winter opening day <clears throat> for those of you who weren't around when when the game came into open beta or like the end of closed beta um burn and pillage was <laughs> was the like yeah. power spike it just won you the game card like even to this day there has been nothing that has been as one-sidedly deciding of games like burn and pillage was like the original burn and pillage was just bonkers yeah. Um, and but like even going further, Crystal Tower Crafter was like that deck for Action Mage for a long or Action Assassin for a long time. Um, yeah, like there's there's a bunch. I'm not I'm not defending that as saying that's okay necessarily from a design standpoint. I'm just saying that um, having to like that having that feel bad of there are certain cards that carry decks is is been a thing. 
I think we Sorry. can all agree that Unglim shuffles the top of the deck. I don't know what the hell that unless is. Unless I unless I'm playing it. <laughs> yeah, unless, unless, unless. Right. 